0: Good morning, Glenridge Church. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. What a privilege to be bringing the Word of God. I'm so excited to be with you. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, and I'm sure my dad is watching, so I want to say happy Father's Day to you. So we have been in the book of Acts for the last few weeks, and we are exploring the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful topic especially for the season we're in, and I'm speaking on the the works of the Holy Spirit. It's a topic which is so close to my heart. So who has ever been at an intersection during peak hour traffic and it goes, it's load shedding? It is crazy and chaotic, right? So now there's often a bystander who comes in to the middle of the road. We don't know who he is, and he is trying his best to direct the traffic and making a total fail out of it. It's causing more chaos on the road than ever before, and people don't know whether to listen or not listen. It's just mayhem. Now, take the bystander away, the traffic officer arrives in his reflective gear, pulls out his fancy higher grade hand signals, and suddenly there is beautiful order, beautiful um, just grace on the traffic to flow. Everybody's listening, and things just work. It's amazing. So what's the difference now between this bystander and the traffic officer? Well, if that traffic officer had been in normal clothes, we probably wouldn't have listened to him. But because he was clothed with his um, police officer uniform and his reflective gear, we knew that he had authority and power on him to perform the assignment at hand, which in this case was the traffic. He could govern the road, and everybody respected the authority and power on his life. The uniform clothed them, in a a sense, with this authority. And so, friends, today, I think this is such an incredible picture, actually, of how the Holy Spirit literally clothes us with power and authority um, to to tackle the assignments at hand, to live this life with great power. We owe the world a gospel, not of knowledge, knowledge, and theology, which is awesome, but we owe the world, especially in these times, a gospel of power, of signs and wonders, of the supernatural. So just before we get into some points of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, I just want to look at a little bit of who this, this person, this holy, the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is marked by generosity. Honestly, his life, his ministry is full of generosity. um, If we look at John 3, verse 34, it says, He gives the Spirit without measure. Friends, the good news today is that Holy Spirit is coming at you and there is no limitations as to how much you can have of Him. He constantly glorifies and honors Jesus Christ. That's His main game. It is to glorify Jesus, to promote the person of Jesus Christ. So as you pursue Holy Spirit, you're pursuing the person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Before we even come to Christ, he convicts us, and he convicts us during our journey with Christ. He baptizes us into Jesus, um, which we often call salvation, and he transforms us. Ezekiel says, um, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. The Holy Spirit. It's so beautiful because actually we are sinful beings, and the Holy Spirit, when we give our lives to Jesus, he is called the Holy Spirit. He brings holiness into our hearts. He sanctifies us, sanctifies us and cleanses us from the inside out. And, and also the Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures for us. If we look at this book of Acts, and I'm going to be bringing a lot of reference to the book of Acts today, we see time and time again the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit Philip's filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen's full of the Spirit. It's it's like a, it's a parallel. If you're a believer, we are called to live a Spirit-filled life. The Holy Spirit is more than power. He's more than fruits and gifts. He's more than signs and wonders. He's more than the supernatural. The Holy Spirit is a person and he is in you and upon you because we owe this world a gospel of power because he wants to bring the resurrection power power of Jesus Christ into our hearts. I love this quote by D.L. Moody, which says, you might as well try to hear without ears, to try breathe without lungs, as to try live a Christian life without the Spirit of God. Amen to that. So I want to look at five truths today, and I've literally called them five truths. Five truths of what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. And my prayer uh, and my passion today is that you leave this, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're listening to this sermon, you leave encouraged and um, infused with hope and faith um, and also that the gift of hunger and thirst after him would be more apparent in you than ever before. So let's hop into truth one, the first truth. Truth one, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. I really, when I was preparing, I really felt like the Lord wants today, the Lord today wants to dismantle any lies that we've believed, that yes, I'm saved, but I don't know if I'm spirit-filled, or I'm less anointed than that person, or I don't feel like I have the Holy Spirit. How do I know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, the truth that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit comes out of Ephesians 1 verse 13. If you'll turn with me there, it says, Paul is saying to the, the church at Ephesus, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who has a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Friends, when you believed, you are marked um, in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So, if you're a born again believer, I'm here today to tell you that you have been marked with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, um, Jesus has almost breathed. You know, we learn in, in John that the Holy Spirit breathed over his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's, it's like that when you come into salvation with Jesus Christ, when you believe the Holy Spirit, you've sealed with the Holy Spirit, you have him in you, and now it is our beautiful responsibility to hunger and thirst after more of him. Baptism in the Spirit is not meant to be a one-time event, but we've got to continually pursue the, the person of the Holy Spirit, continuously pursue being filled um, more and more with him. So truth one, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Truth two, the Holy Spirit clothes us with power. You have been marked for a life of power. The work of the Holy Spirit is that he he brings power, he empowers you to live your lives. Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I love that Jesus says you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, it's almost like this guarantee that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when he does, it's not maybe you'll receive power or if you do this, you'll receive power. It's you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So it's a promise. We know in the Greek language that the word power, the root word is dunamis. It means explosive strength. It's mentioned 122 ta- 120 times in the New Testament. God doesn't just touch us. He doesn't just touch us and then leaves us. He actually makes us a resource center of human power. It's His Spirit in me. It's the resurrection life of Jesus Christ living in me. He makes our bodies a temple of the Holy Spirit. He makes His home in us. He takes up residency in us. His power in us. The baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit is never intended to be the goal of the Christian life. We never meant to get there and be like, Awesome, I had a wonderful experience. It made me feel good and carry on our lives. No, it's intended to be the gateway to the supernatural, to a life of signs and wonders. And the supernatural, may I just add, is always meant to glorify Jesus. We see in the book of Acts many times that there were signs and wonders, healings taking place. And then people gave their lives to Jesus. So the supernatural results in people glorifying Jesus Christ, committing their lives to him. If we look at the book of of Acts, I'm sure there's not one chapter out of the 28 chapters in here that doesn't have a mention to the supernatural. The supernatural goes hand in hand, with the spirit-filled life. Jesus wants to baptize us into power. Power is not in you. The, the power is like power on its own. It's not in you. It's not your extroverted personality or your enneagram. No, it's the power of Jesus. It's God's Spirit in us. He makes us his home in us. In Acts 5, verse 12 to 16, we read that the apostles healed many people and they give, people give their lives to Jesus. In Acts 7, verse 55, it's the story of Stephen, a man who is full of faith and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he looks up, he's full of, it says Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit. He looks up to heaven and sees the glory of God. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, comes within us, we have eyes to see like never before. And the times today we need to be seeing from heaven's perspective. We need eyes of faith. In Acts 8, verse 6 to 8, we read that Philip performs signs and miracles and the overflow is joy. Joy is the the overflow of the spirit-filled life. The supernatural, as I said, always points to Jesus. I love that Stephen and Philip weren't these massive honcho big leaders like Paul that we read or they were just normal believers who experienced signs and wonders. So the supernatural lifestyle is not reserved for leaders or for elders. It's meant for every single believer. We are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is your mission field, friends? Where are, you in, where are you bringing influence? What is your mission field? I love this quote by Catherine Coleman. She says, she's a revivalist, a well-known revivalist, and her life was marked by the supernatural. She says, the greatest evidence of having been filled with the Holy Spirit, the greatest evidence there is, is not speaking in tongues, as wonderful as that is, but power in an individual's life. Friends, you have been marked for a life of power. When the Holy Spirit comes in you and upon you, the gospel of power is at hand. You will show the world um, Jesus through, through power, through signs and wonders in the supernatural. My next truth, truth three, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I love this point. If you want to take your Bibles out and read with me, Romans 8, verse 26 to 27. Paul here is writing to the church in Rome. And he says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do, no, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. I love that. He intercedes means... Um, to intervene on behalf of another. So Holy Spirit literally stands in the gap, prays for us, and he doesn't quit. He doesn't stop praying. He doesn't stop interceding for us. And Romans says he prays according to the will of God. Isn't that amazing that we sometimes don't know what the will of God is, but Holy Spirit does. And so the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is that he intercedes for you according to the will of God, as we read here in Romans 8. In New Testament prayer, the believer becomes a temple in which the Holy Spirit conducts a prayer meeting. That quotes from Derek Prince. It's so beautiful. It's like my heart becomes a personal prayer chapel where the Holy Spirit comes in and intercedes on my behalf. The Holy Spirit intercedes day and night. I remember ever since I was a little girl, praying that my midnight hours, the time that I sleep, would be devoted to Jesus. Because I'm, I like had this beautiful reality that although my flesh is sleeping, it's actually such a beautiful moment. My flesh is sleeping, so I can't get in the way. And his spirit can minister straight to mine. I actually did some studies. Um, and on your screen right now, is coming up a little graphic on the years of your life. So if your life is averaged on um, the studies, I've done it on a average of 79 years. Then studies have proven based on an eight-hour sleep every night, you sleep approximately 33 years of your life. Isn't that phenomenal, friends? 33 years. That's one-third of your life devoted to sleeping. Why wouldn't you want the Holy Spirit to minister to you. It's this beautiful midnight hours that we can devote to God. And I really believe and prophesy today that if you battle with insomnia or if you battle with sleeping, God wants to redeem those midnight hours over you. He wants to give you dreams and visions. He wants to minister straight to your heart. And um, he's going to show you mighty things. Psalm Song of Songs, 5 verse 2 says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. And David, one of my favorite Psalms, David says, in the night my heart also instructs me. He had such an awareness that as we sleep, our heart is awake. And just as we sleep, the Holy Spirit doesn't sleep. He's awake. He's interceding for us day and night. We look at the Old Testament at the tabernacle. Um, The fire on the altar of the tabernacle was instructed to be kept burning at all times. Leviticus 6 verse 13, it says the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. This is mentioned three times in chapter 6. It says the fire must not go out. It must not be extinguished. It must not go out. It was so important and it was repeated. And one of the reasons this ongoing fire was so important is that because it was started directly by God, literally fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering on the altar. And I really believe that this this is Old Testament, but in the New Testament, the fire of God comes out of heaven, comes from from the presence of God upon the believer's life, and um, consumes us from the inside out. It's a gift from heaven. Isn't that a beautiful picture? of the Holy Spirit on the altar of the human heart, burning day and night, never quitting. Friends, the Holy Spirit intercedes for you and for me. Truth four, the Holy Spirit is our everyday to a guide. In John 16, verse 13, Jesus says to us, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak." I love that the Holy Spirit literally listens to the counsel of Father God and then shares that with us. The Holy Spirit guides us, he leads us, and um, what a better place to be in. When we are filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit, we are ushered into the councils of heaven. Nick went to the town of Thessaloniki, the book of Thessalonians is based upon this town, and... um, we had the privilege of being led around this town by a local and her name was Ava and her husband was Costas and it was so phenomenal we could have taken our google maps and looked around and found our way around and we still would have had a great experience but because we were taken around this town with locals themselves we had the fullest experience we had the best experience they knew the best places to go the best routes to go Um, They knew the the safest place to be or the most beautiful scene. They knew the best ice cream shop. And we really had the most amazing local experience in this little town in in Greece. And that's what it's like with the Holy Spirit, friends. We can try to do this on our own, but we won't have the fullest experience. But when we do this with the Holy Spirit, when he is is in us and upon us, then we, we, we experience life with him. He is our local tour guide. Just three examples in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit brings leadership. In Acts 8 verse 26, I love this story. The Spirit tells Philip, let's read in Acts 8 verse 26, it says, The Spirit told Philip, go up that chariot and stay near it. It's just a summary of the story. So Philip goes up to this chariot. There's an Ethiopian in the chariot and he overhears this Ethiopian reading um, a text from the book of Isaiah. And he doesn't know what on earth he's reading. And so Philip says, do you know, can I interpret that for you? And Philip basically shares the gospel of Jesus Christ with this Ethiopian, they, um, this, this Ethiopian gives his life to the Lord, gets water baptized, and then Philip actually gets carried supernaturally away to another city all of a sudden. When he comes up out of the water baptism pool, wherever they got baptized, Philip literally disappears into another town. And this Ethiopian had the most amazing experience. I love that story. In Acts 13, verse 2, we read that, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after praying and fasting, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Friends, it's so beautiful that actually, while they were worshipping and fasting, the Spirit told them to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work for which they have called them. I really believe as we go into this week of prayer and fasting that the Holy Spirit is gonna give you revelation on the call of God on your life. The call of God on your lives are gonna be birth. There's gonna be dreams birthed from this week as we pray and fast together as a community. And then my last story in Acts 16, verse 6. Let's turn there in my Bible. Um, It's Timothy and Paul and Silas, it says, And they went through the region of Persia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Isn't that amazing that the Holy Spirit actually didn't allow them? So what happened is Paul and his team ended up going into Macedonia. And who knows, that might have been the start of the European evangelization. It, it could have been the start of something there. But but what I love is that they were yielded and surrendered to the Holy Spirit's leadership in their life. And are we yielded and surrendered to the Holy Spirit's leading? Are we listening? Are we waiting upon Him for the, for the guidance of the Holy Spirit? So truth four, Holy Spirit is our everyday to a guide. My last truth today is that there is always more. Friends, this is, so, this is so close to my heart because Holy Spirit is a generous God. He wants to mark your life with generosity, with power. He wants to intercede for you. He wants to lead you and guide you into all truth. He lives in you and he wants you to experience the fullness that he came for. Jesus Christ came on the cross and died so that we could experience um, the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in us. Ephesians 5 verse 18, Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus and he says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. This this be filled with the Spirit is actually a continual verb in the Greek language. He's meaning, be filled with the Spirit, be filled, be filled, be filled. Okay, we've got to constantly pursue the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 9 verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. There is no end to how much we can have of the Holy Spirit. We the ones who place our earthly um, limitations and mindsets on how much is too much. The Holy Spirit wants to pour out. He He is pouring out the presence of God. He is pouring himself out on our city and on our nation. Are we positioning ourselves to receive the life of Jesus, the life of the Holy Spirit living in us. We can, Ezekiel speaks about either being ankle deep or knee deep or being full in the river that flows from the temple. And this river is like the river of the Holy Spirit. Why would you want to be ankle deep when we can be full on in? If there's revival in the air, I need to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. Guys, we owe this world a gospel of power. We, the Holy Spirit has come to us. We've received the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. We've got to pursue more and more and more of him. I want to say just in closing that it's normal that you influence people because the great influencer lives in you. When you walk into a room, you are called to influence them because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. As I said before, the baptism in the Spirit is not a once-off event, but it's an ongoing act in the life of a believer. I love this picture of a car and petrol. The car can be sitting in your garage, but if it's got no petrol, it can't go anywhere. Petrol has to be continuously poured into a car to keep it going, to keep it moving. And that's just like as believers. We need to constantly be waiting upon the Holy Spirit to fill us to the overflowing I just want to read a scripture, Romans 8, verse to 11, out of the Message Bible, as I close. It says, But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him... In whom He dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He'll do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus, bringing you alive to Himself. When God lives and breathes in you, as He does as surely as He did in Jesus, You are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. Friends, we are called to be fully alive. My prayer today is that you would be fully alive in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I pray right now for every person listening for every person watching, that you would fill them to the overflowing with your beautiful Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you would mark our lives, Father, that you would give us the gift of hunger, the gift of thirst. You say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us to the overflowing, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that we would experience more of you We love you, Jesus. We honor you. We exalt you. You are worthy, Lord. Amen.